Man, I have one for you guys today. I have my friend Kevin Vandy as a guest on the podcast. For you guys that don't know, Kevin Vandy is our guest speaker in January at our live event in San Diego on January 27th and 28th, of which you can apply for a guest pass in the show notes. In this podcast, we talk about what it actually means to be a world-class clinician and have world-class business skills. Kevin is someone who has built a seven-figure practice, seven-figure practice, and in my knowledge, he's the fastest one to do that. He did it in about five and a half years to build his business to over seven figures. In addition to that, he is on the precipice of starting clinic number two. So what a unique place to find Kevin in where he has one business that essentially managed is managed and run without him and a second practice that we are getting going from, uh, from the start. Kevin also in this podcast talks about what it means to be direct and empathetic. And um, just to give you some context on that, a few months ago, Kevin and I were speaking with our friend Carrie, and, and I was asking him about one of his staff members who was having an unbelievably successful uh, recent you know, uh, DVs and evals and getting people across the line. It was just absolutely killing in the clinic. And I said, well, what do you attribute that to? And he said, I think, uh, I think they have two qualities. They're direct and they're empathetic. So we dive into that because for us out there that are wondering how we're going to get more people across the line, how we're going to get people to actually say yes to us and paying us the amount of money we need to be able to practice how we want, you need to be able to be direct and empathetic. Uh, even more than that, we speak a lot about how Kevin has such a passion for the clinical side of it. And uh, Kevin's a unique guy because he's a, he's a nerd. He's a research guy. He has a gate lab. It's actually, it's a world-class operation, a world-class clinical operation. And as many of you guys know, the best clinicians in the world often are the worst business people. Kevin is unique in that he does both at a world-class level. So I hope you enjoy this podcast. Um, and if you do enjoy it, if you get a lot out of it, which I know you will, imagine what you will get if you come in person live in San Diego in January on the 27th and 28th. Like I said, this is, uh, Kevin will be on stage Saturday afternoon and I couldn't be more excited to have him. He's a mentor of mine. Uh, he is a family guy, family man. He's got five kids. Uh, his mom, his wife stays home with them and he's built an unbelievable life for all of them. And so I'm super excited to have him as our guest speaker. And I hope that after you listen to this, that you apply for a guest pass because I do believe very, very much so that by listening to one person, they can literally change the course of your life and your business career. And Kevin has that ability. So I can't wait to see you there. What's up, everyone? Welcome to the Business School for the Rehab Chiropractor. Class is officially in session. My name is Justin Rabinowitz, and I am a rehab chiropractor on a mission to teach you, a fellow rehab chiropractor, the exact tools and systems I've used to build my own successful rehab chiropractic practice so you can do the same. I hope you enjoy, and please subscribe. All right, Kevin, so... We'll get to you know the amazing seven-figure business you have currently today, but I actually want to bring it back to the start for you, um, and I'll just tee up a little bit. I know I want you to talk through your family and how you had a really good job, and you basically decided to leave it all to start a practice on your own with biomechanics and all these different crazy things. So let's take us back to that time of leaving and what your life situation was like and, and, and how your clinic built. Yeah, for sure. So this was... Uh, probably 2013, 2014, I had been working at a outpatient, you know, traditional insurance practice for about six years at that point. And I got to the point where I was the the manager, quote unquote. I'd been there a while. I got my OCS, my CICS. I was definitely on the like heavy clinical track to be the best PT that I could be. 
And I was enjoying myself. It was a well-paid job, you know, getting paid six figures. I had three weeks vacation. Um, we had training every month. So like every Saturday, my boss came in and he was, uh, you know, fell in the manual therapy academy. So we got trained by him. Literally, I had, I had kind of the dream scenario. I was off on Fridays, only worked four days a week. And uh, I, I did love that, that job. Met a bunch of people, a lot of great staff. However, I got to the point where I'd gone to a few different running symposiums where they had these researchers that were talking about how they treat runners. And it definitely got a interest in my mind of, well, how are we treating runners? Are we doing the best we possibly can for these this group of individuals and the people who have ACL injuries? Are we actually testing what we're supposed to be testing? When I went back to my boss, I literally had like binders that I was like, hey, I think we should buy this equipment. We should, you know, launch this program. Here's how we should test it. Here's how you're going to get your money back. Here's the, you know, financial layout of what it's going to take and how long it's going to take. Here's the marketing plan. I literally like, like gave it to him. Like, this is what I want to do with our, our clients. And he's like, cool, thanks. And he didn't do anything with it. And so that was really the first time I had taken a stab at saying, like, I think, I think there's a, I think there's a thing here. And I, this definitely excites me. And then really the, the big kicker for me was I knew I wanted to open a business. My dad was an entrepreneur. I grew up in a farm in Massachusetts where my dad has now owned and operated the farm for like 50 years. You're to like roadside organic farm stand. So I had that entrepreneurial drive in me. I just didn't know when. And at the time, Chrissy, and I, we had uh, three kids and uh, we wanted to have a fourth kid. And so I was at the point where I, I was searching for something. And Chris Powers, who's a researcher down in LA, he came and presented about his biomechanics lab, which I had never heard of. Like, yeah, I went to you know a good school and we did some research, but we never got much time in the lab. And so when I saw that he did this in an outpatient setting where he had, you know, 3D sensors and force plates and EMG, like that lit up something in my head that was like, this is, this is what I want to do. Almost like, you know, the, the classic examples, you have a fish that is born on land and it, it has no idea what water is and it gets one drop of water like sprinkled on him and he realized, wow, that's what I was created for. This was, that was my aha moment where I, I realized this is the best usage of my degree. All the years I put in, the advanced certifications, I could use my full faculty, full skill set. And I remember going home and talking to Chris and he's like, hey, I, I know what I want to do. Like, I know we should, we should do this. We should open this business. And we probably talked for like a few hours, slept on it, woke up the next day. And she was like, well, you know, we want to have another kid. And when do you want to do this? Are you sure? Are you sure? And it was uh, a lot of good conversations about what it meant for my family, what it meant for the, jo the job that we had. I was literally giving up, you know, pensions and, you know, 401ks and great, great uh, job, everything. And she's like, hey, if this is the best for our family, this is the best for our family. So she trusted me. I'll always thank her for that. She's my biggest fan and I, I for hers. And that was a big part of her believing that I could do it. And, uh, and yeah, and we made the leap. We decided to invest. Uh, it was a ton of equipment and uh, a, big, a big outlay, but I knew that's what I wanted to do. And um, yeah, that was the spark, if, if that's what you're looking for. And at the time when we finally opened the practice, she was pregnant with our, our fourth child. So couldn't have scripted a worse time to open a practice, but it's the time that worked out for us. 
Yeah, and, and I think it's something that I do want to highlight just because, you know, it's easy to get on these business calls and talk about, you know, the marketing and the sales, but uh, everyone has a personal life behind, you know, the business. And there are so many people that I think maybe need to hear your story. As I always say, uh, there are times in my life, and I joke, but it's actually serious, that sometimes if I think something's hard, I just think about what Kevin Vandy, like his situation. You know, if you, put, if, you, if you think about all the reasons why you shouldn't, they were all there. Number one, three kids, fourth on the way. Number two, wife stay, is, doesn't, doesn't bring an income. She works at home. Uh, mm-hmm. Number three, you live in the Bay Area of California, which is the most expensive area to live and work in the country. Um, and so- you have every reason not to do the thing, yet you've still done it and, and figured out a way to be successful. And so I think your story is so unique and, and, and something that should be like shared and definitely championed because you know if you can do it and now at the point where you're at, where not only has a high revenue build business, because some naysayers will say high revenue, but does he make any profit? Yeah, you do make a profit too. And so if you can figure that out, then there is nobody nobody in our North America that should be having an excuse. And so for me, like part of the mastermind and part of having you as the guest speaker is to help people recognize the thing that our mentor did for us. It's like that it is possible. It's not going to be easy and you're going to have to make some unique and challenging choices, but it is certainly possible. So with that being said, you make that decision. Um, Let's fast forward to you open your practice. Every, you know, I'm all excited about it. And Where's the first time you got stuck? Yeah, honestly, the first time I got stuck is literally right out of the gate. Like it wasn't, uh, it was a month, a month in, two months in. I, I had this grand idea, uh, which maybe, maybe as uh, some listeners have it too, that if I just build this dream practice, you know, 150 grand spend on the best equipment in the, in the Bay Area at the time. And I give something that's totally unique that if I just go to the doctors that I knew that were, I was the person they referred to. They didn't refer to anybody else. I had known these doctors for years. If I went to them and I said, hey, I'm opening this cash practice, you should refer to me. And I did that and none of them referred to me. Because like, we don't want the hassle. You don't know how hard it is for us to sit here in an office when we got five minutes to talk about why they should pay cash to go see you. So they didn't refer. So that was one, my, my genius marketing plan. That part didn't work. The next part was, I'm just going to write some blogs and this is going to get people in. I didn't know that that was going to take much longer, six months to a year to get any traction. So that didn't bring people in. I had an A-frame sign outside of my door. It was like, oh, people are going to see GateLab and they're going to know what that is. They don't. Nobody came in. So open house, nobody came. No marketing, no digital ads, nothing. And I literally sat in my office with all this equipment by myself and I just sat there. Like at no calls, I didn't know who to call, didn't know what to do. And so I started running out of money very early. I had probably 20 grand in cash, 25 grand in cash that I had pocketed for uh, operating expenses. Lost five grand the first month, lost five grand the second month. So I, I needed to know how to get clients. We had $12,000 left in the bank and that was it. And I, my business was going to go under in a matter of three months because I didn't have any clients. And that's when I, I joined a mastermind program much like yours, where I learned how to market, I learned how to sell, I learned how to get in front of people, lead generation, what it means to educate the public, what it means to have an avatar and a target client, all the stuff you teach. I had to learn that. But I, for me, it was do or die. My wife doesn't work, 
we homeschooled our kids. She was at home. She was, you know, pulling double duty because I I wasn't there because I was out trying to meet with running shoe stores and going to triathlon club meetings and going to triathlon events. I mean, I was out and about, but that it did give me a boost, but it was a trickle and I needed a, you know, something else that was predictable. And so we ended up investing thousands of dollars in the program. And I was like, I, if I don't make this work, I lose a business. And honestly, it was a a pretty low moment because I would have had to go on to my family and my friends and everybody that I was like, hey, I'm going to do this great thing and tell them, guess what? I failed. And that feeling of, you know, potentially losing everything right out of the gate by a dumb decision to invest so much money in this equipment was the driver that made me say, I have to go do this and I, I'm not sleeping until I do it. And so that that was the first time I, I legitimately got stuck in the business, was trying to figure out how to get clients. When So obviously we were able to overcome that and we'll dive way more into that at the live event. Um, was Is there a moment, you might say there is, I still don't feel that way, but was there a moment, fast forward the last six, seven, eight years of your journey where you finally were like, all right, we're okay? Where you kind of could like breathe out a little bit after that initial like, oh crap moment. Have you had that moment? <laughs> I would say it's it's fleeting. It's it's like something you can see as a wisp here and there and then it goes away. I think as as entrepreneurs, you you need to have what what I've read as a productive paranoia that there's there's a constant like little feeling that this could all go away in an instant. Mm-hmm. And I, I almost don't let myself get there. Like I don't let myself think about like, I'm cool. I can relax now. And that may be wrong, might be right. I don't know. But for me, it keeps the drive alive and it keeps me focused on growing. I think if I feed in too much to the, it's, it's like when you like you win the Super Bowl, right? If you win the Super Bowl and you're like, hey, we're Super Bowl champions, you can ride that until the start of next season. Then you got to stop, right? Because you got a next season ahead of you. And I think our seasons, quote unquote, in the rehab world are month on month, not you know year on year. And so I, I almost don't left, let myself get into that mindset. I love and, it. And that yeah, served ahead. me well, like over time. Uh, it's, I think it's great. And we had a conversation recently, actually Kaylee's mentioned something very similar about a year into practice and, and absolutely crushing it. And she said, there's like a pit in her stomach every month when we erase the whiteboard and have to sort of start over. And, and I said like, and she, and she mentioned something we were in annual planning about how, um, like, I don't want to feel that way anymore. And I was like, I was like, no, no, I think that's probably a little bit of that is healthy, but how can we use it? as a positive, because I think it's unrealistic to think that it, it will go away. And, and even more important than that, there's a piece of it that probably is a, like you said, a productive paranoia. So I think that's a, that's a, that's a great sort of lesson and takeaway. Um, I want to transition more to the, to the clinical side, which is, you know, for me, we talk about business, obviously in our, in our mastermind very much. And the, the premise of the rehab chiro mastermind is always world-class clinical skills and world-class business skills. And I, th- I know that you'll resonate so much with our audience because you are a truly a clinician and a thing you more than anyone, you know, I make fun of you as like the nerd and I, but I mean that in a positive light because you, you know, you are not going to go to market with anything commercially for your business that you don't actually believe in. And I've told this story before. Um, and we'll probably tell it multiple times. I remember a few years ago, we were talking about business ideas and how you were going to grow competitive edge PT. And someone mentioned something like orthotics and it's not that orthotics are bad, but you sort of made the comment like, that's not what we do. That's not what we believe in. And so just because it's going to make us money, uh, I'm not just going to put it into play in my practice. And I thought it was such a good sort of, you know, higher level principle that it was like, we don't believe in this uh, for our specific practice. And even if it's going to make us money, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to do it. So 
speak a little bit more in detail about what your clinic actually looks like because it truly is like a world-class uh, clinical operation. I mean, I've been there with Dell. We've gone through the assessment process and you know what you do truly, you know, we like to say what we do is unique and, and it is, but what you do is really special. No, I appreciate that. And it was super fun having Dell in and glad we were able to help. And I think going back to the orthotic situation, you know, one of our core values is to lead with integrity. And I think that that leads a lot of what we decide to do. And if I can't internally, if I can't show that there's some research or there's something backing something that we're going to sell, I just like in, in, in the, the, the being of me, I can't do it because I wouldn't want to, I wouldn't want to be in a situation where I was buying something that someone was just trying to make money off of. So I, I wouldn't do that. But in, in terms of our practice, so we have, uh, we believe that data makes better movement possible. And we've added things in our lab that allows us to see movement in the way it's meant to be seen. So we have things like an instrumented treadmill that reads landing forces, stride width, stride length, uh, cadence. We have 3D motion sensors so we can track ACL tests, running tests, jump tests. We have force plates uh, where we can just test jump height and power. We have muscle EMG to see activations. I mean, you name it, we have, we have, the tools that allows us to see what other people can't see. And what we believe is when you have that data, you can make, make better clinical judgments. So there's a lot of, um, like it or hate it, in PT Cairo, there, there are just some judgment calls you have to make. And confidence intervals, if I do this special test, like 70% of the time, it's going to be right. Well, for us, we want it 99% of the time, we want to be right. And we feel as long as we have protocols in place that, not only has the tech, but you actually know how to analyze the tech. That's what makes all the difference. You can have data, but have a uh, a moron like assessing it, and all of a sudden you have the worst case scenario. You have a lot of information and no analysis. So we spend three uh, two hours every week. We spend as a staff training every Wednesday without fail. Uh, on it could be reading research. We just watched where we're investing in portable force plates. So we just bought a course uh, from the the leader in the in, in who trains force plates for sport performance, and we're watching that together. We train on manual therapy. We train on how to perform the analysis, so you make sure the data you're getting is accurate. Um, so we have a very robust process because we believe that clinicians want to continue to learn. It's not. Just like we want to continue to grow as business owners, clinicians want to go to a place where they feel like they can't exhaust their knowledge base. And so we make it a priority every week to keep up with the research, bring in articles, challenge one another. It's a big part of what's driven us to success and allowed us to stay on the leading edge of innovation. It's, it's one thing to invest in some tech and you're like, oh, I'm, I'm the best, but you got to show up and prove it. So now we went and we, we talked about the, the clinical side. Um, what makes you unique is that, and, and I know it frustrates you sort of in that, in that gate lab audience is that oftentimes, like in my audience, the ones that are really high level in that are really bad in the business side. So you have all the data and you have an amazing lab, I guess, maybe walk us through, give us a couple maybe points or how you think about how to take all of that and now facilitate that into a commercial idea where you're actually going to build a business, people are going to say yes, and you're going to be able to feed families with, uh, with this data, so to speak. Yeah, that was, that was, it took me a little while to figure that out at the beginning. 
when you think about adding data, like you said, it's very nerdy. It can go over people's heads. They can get confused. They can not have any idea what you're saying. And, and all of a sudden, you know, the data becomes the hero instead of the person in front of you that's the hero. And we spent a lot of time going through story brand and going through the idea that the client is the hero and we're just a guide on the journey. And we infuse that into pretty much every part of our business that we truly care about these people's goals. We want to know really in detail what they're trying to achieve so we know what to assess. And it all starts from taking your staff and saying, this is these are your features, like tech, this, that, or features, but what are the benefits? Like what actually is going to get someone in their own mind to say, I want that and that will help me. And I think that's a great exercise to go through for everybody is... Um, you have a lot of features in your in your business, but there's probably benefits you haven't even explored yet that are going to resonate with people. So that's a super important part that we had to go through was what are the benefits of the tech? What are the benefits of seeing data? What are the benefits of having biofeedback? And then from there, from the, uh, it's kind of like you, you need to be a receiver and a communicator uh, and you got to be good at both. And so we spent a lot of time putting together scripts, a lot of time testing what resonates with people when we're on the phone. So we'll download, you know, we'll have a call, we'll download it, we'll get the transcript and we're like, hey, maybe if we said this a little bit differently, maybe if we told, you know, talked about the tech as, hey, you can see things other clinicians can't see. And if you've been frustrated because you don't have a diagnosis, we have the tech to be able to see uh, some new things that we're going to shed some light on your problem. So we've just, we've had to spend a lot of time making it non-nerdy and approachable to each individual person. But really, when you add this amount of complexity, you need systems. And without that, you have a like a, a runaway train where you're going to have one clinician that's talking about this clinical pathway and you have this person that's going to be trying to you know sell, sell, sell. And it's like, no, let's all get on the same page, which is why it's so important to have a weekly meeting, so important to have one-on-ones, so important to have weekly training. Because without it, very quickly, you're going to say, oh, we covered that, great. Well, six weeks later, you're going to have to cover it again. And six weeks later, you're going to have to cover it again because people just drift off with new ideas and new things. But to stay on brand and to really resonate with your target audience, you have to keep practicing the same things over and over again. Great. Um, staying staying there, you know, people that are listening to this podcast, it's not hard to see how, how obviously thoughtful you are, how articul- articulate you are. And honestly, it's easy to see how you would be able to do this in your clinic and get someone across the line, so to speak, combining both of those. However, um, as we both found out and finding out, it's significantly harder when we have to get other people to do this. Um, And at this point, you've had probably close 10, 12 uh, clinicians that have come through your practice that you've had to manage, train, and lead to be able to do this for you, which is how your your clinic has grown. The, The one line when you and you, you, myself and Carrie Jose, we meet every single week. And the one line that you said to us that I shared with my mastermind that stood out the most, um, essentially I was asking, what is it that makes someone, you know, able to sell and communicate plans of care to people? And you said there was two things. It was that they were direct and at the same time they were empathetic. And so talk to my audience a little bit about what that means to you and go into some detail because it, it, it sounds like if someone can do that, they're going to have a chance to be successful as a rehab Cairo, as a, as a, a rehab PT. And, and so I want to get some more details on that. Yeah, um, it's, a, it's a good thing to bring up. And honestly, it's something we've uh, realized only in the last probably couple of years. Um, you know, we've danced around it a bunch, but it's uh, been driven home as we've brought in some, uh, some people into the practice that are exceptional at it and can really bring it to light. So 
Empathetic and direct, you you may think that they're polar opposites, but they're actually are one and the same. And I'll describe it this way. When you have empathy, you're we're pretty good at that as rehab professionals, right? We know what it's like to be in pain. We can, you know, empathize with the fact that they've been struggling a while, they've been to multiple doctors. Um, you still you still have to get that part right. If you don't empathize at the beginning, you have no shot at connecting with someone because they're just gonna they're gonna see you as a commodity. They'll go somewhere else. So you have to have the empathy, and empathy comes from asking questions. You don't get empathy by telling them you're empathetic. It's like I'm a great person. Well, you don't have to tell me that. <laughs> so, so with empathy, it's a lot of tell me more about that. Hey, you know that that seems like it was a frustrating time for you. Tell me more about that. And you just get people talking. And once once you get yourself out of the picture and you're not so worried about making the sale and you're not so worried about, oh my gosh, what am I going to say next? And what's the process? You're literally just present with another human in front of you. And you really understand why they're there and what their pain points are. You'll already won the majority of the situation. But what we found is you also need the other piece. You also need to be direct. And what I mean by that is we have a tendency in our profession to have a lot of fluff words and fillers, which are, an example would be like, hey, you know, when you come in, we're going to do a little bit of strengthening and we're going to do a little bit of manual therapy. And, you know, once we get to the end, I'll tell you probably, uh, you know, what your likely diagnosis is. It's like, well, there's a lot of like probabilities and maybes and there's not any time where the person is sitting across from me. They want assurance. They want to know straight out why they have the problem, how long it's going to take and what they can expect from the process. And so at some point, in that initial eval, when you're talking to these people, you have to move from, I'm getting to know you to, I need to be the authority. And, and it's not like it has to be night and day. It just has to be, hey, thank you so much for, for letting me know. It seems like, let me just summarize. It seems like you have this, this, and this going on. Based on our testing and based on what we found today, here's your diagnosis. Here are the three reasons why you have it. Here's your goal. Great goal. This is exactly my plan of how you're going to, how I'm going to get you better. And guess what? We will get you there, right? I think the best thing for you, on my recommendation, 12 sessions, we have a package perfect for that. I think that's the best thing for you. What do you think? Right? So it's a, it's a, it's a switch from I'm nice Cairo, I'm nice PT to I'm authority PT, I'm authority Cairo. And so there's a marriage of both of them. And I see too many people lose one or the other. Um, and that's, that's a lot of times what, Honestly, I always say it's kind of selfish. Like if you, if you're so concerned about how you feel and about whether someone's going to like you and whether you're going to piss someone off because you've told them they need to spend, you know, five grand with you, then then you're being selfish in that situation because you're there for them, and that's where the empathy and being direct comes from. So I have a question, and I don't want you to answer it. I wrote it down because I'm going to do a little bit of a cliffhanger for the live event. But my follow-up to this question is you and I, you'll appreciate this question because you, like me, are very logical. We talked about a lot about doing the research and you know having clear data and outcomes. Um, but we also know as clinicians that on that DV or, or evaluation, many times we aren't 100% sure. And so what we're going to dive into at the live event, and I'm curious to hear your thoughts on it, is how, how can you be direct with someone to tell them what they need when oftentimes we're not 100% sure. So let's save that for the live event. And I want to go into that more. I'm actually very curious about your answer as well. Um, so before we wrap up, um, the next piece of this equation that I, that I just briefly mentioned, because I think it's, it's going to be so great in January for our audience, because you, you are currently, you have feet in two different worlds. You have a very well-established practice that's doing in the seven figures, and you are 
ready to go with practice and uh, clinic number two. And so talk to us about maybe where you're at, where you've got one foot in something that's established that we've got to keep it going, keep the train moving, and one that's basically a startup. And just give us you know two minutes on where you are in that process, and we'll speak more about it, and you'll have many more developments in, in, uh, in about a month. Yeah, it's uh, first, I'm, I just feel very blessed to be where I'm at. Um, there's been a lot of different things that I've wanted to do to get our word out to as many people as possible. And over time, it's been refined into where we are now, where we have the right people who have the right motivations, who want and believe in our mission and vision. And that's really what's allowed me to look at opening a second location is I have the right people. And that is super motivating for me and uh, super motivating for the other people. But yeah, you have a clinic that uh, at this point, I have an ops manager. She's amazing. Um, she runs most of this practice. And you know, I come in for the things that are necessary in terms of vision, people hiring. But then you have this other thing that you have to go from, we have automated systems and we have digital marketing and we have community sponsors. We have all this set up in the new business. And it's very easy to just rest on those laurels when you go into the 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 second one. But a lot of the advice I've gotten, a lot of my own thoughts have been, what made the initial business successful initially has to be what's done at this new clinic. So you're almost having to retrace your steps and go back to that same tenacity and hustle and drive when you were at, I was at events and I was at triathlon groups and I was talking to running coaches and I was giving free sessions to try to get running coaches to see what we do, telling people about like shooting videos. So it's like a like seasons of business, right? You, you ascend to this place where you feel like you, you have everything locked in and, mostly it's on autopilot. There's always issues that happen, as you know. But as you go into the second clinic, you have to go back to that. And it's like you get to patch up some things that you maybe you missed the first time. It's like, here's what worked well. And here's what I know now from perspective. And when you add the two, I'm super excited to see what we can do and the lessons we'll learn and being able to instill my passion, my ethos, the, the culture and feel of the business into another person. Um, these, uh, this individual is going to be running the second practice. That's also been fun having the meetings. Uh, we go hiking together and we talk about what it's going to be like and a lot of emphasis. It's, it's very high level. It's not tactical as like, Hey, are you in it to win it? Like, this is, this is what I built. This is the, the clinic itself. This is the, the lifeblood of competitive edge. I'm now asking you to be a part of it and I'm excited to have you. And I think that's been fun uh, for both sides of the party. When's the tentative opening date? April, April 2024. All right. So you'll have by January 27th, when you are on stage, uh, things move fast in this. So we'll have a lot more updates and a lot more lessons to share. So I'm excited for that. Uh, Kevin, we are unbelievably excited to have you. Like I said, I think there's a lot of people that are role models to my group, but you are definitely a role model to me. You have been ahead of me at every step of the way. And, uh, Unfortunately for you, I've learned from some of the mistakes that you've made along the way, so I didn't have to make them. Um, but, but in all seriousness, you know, it's, it's, it's rare that you find someone that does as well as you do. And for the audience out there, the hour, two hours that Kevin will spend on stage, uh, literally might change your business career. Uh, and I, and I don't say that lightly. We've been super blessed to have unbelievable guests at our live events and, and Kevin, everybody that was the guest, whether it's, uh, Allison Feld, whether it's Carrie Jose, Jerry, Natty, every Every single one of them looks, looks up to Kevin. So um, I hope I didn't put any pressure on you, but uh, it's, it's <laughs> yeah, no. well-deserved and we're super excited to have you. I'm super excited, thankful, humbled to be able to be a part of it. Love it, man. Well, thanks so much and we'll see you in January. Thanks.
Thank you so much for listening to this episode. And if you found this content valuable, here are four ways I can help you for free. One, grab a copy of my free guide, The Rehab Chiropractor's Checklist. You can get that at go.drjustinrabinowitz.com slash guide. That's go.drjustinrabinowitz.com slash guide. Two, go ahead and give me a follow on Instagram at Justin Rabinowitz, where I post business content. Three, subscribe to my weekly newsletter by sending me an email at coaching at strive to move.com. And four, leave us a five-star review so we can gain access to more influential people and bring those lessons back to you. 